Well, even though it was the COVID summer of 2020, the 20 weeks of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country has flown by yet again, and here we are to wrap it all up for another year, our 30th. And as always, Henry Drews, the Northwest Regional Fisheries Manager, is wrapping up the show with his annual State of the Fishery. Now, the daily Fish and Paul Bunyan Country show is done for the year, but starting next Thursday, Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors returns every week, Thursdays at 1, Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. And, of course, is podcastable on Podcast One, the PodMN app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll do plenty of fishing talk there as well. I hope to have a fishing segment every week along with all the other outdoor stuff we'll be covering. But let's get her going. The final fish in Paul Bunyan country of 2020. If I had a bar for every time my line got stuck, well then I'd probably have enough for a brand new pickup truck and I'm probably gonna need it. But luck is gonna change, I can feel it. I got a secret weapon on a radio. Paul Bunyan. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We're wrapping up our 30th year. Henry Drews, the Northwest Regional Fisheries Manager, my guest. And as we start things off, we look forward. Next up here is, and you've heard a lot about it, um, talk to David Weitzel. I know you did an interview with him. Mm-hmm. You know, the new, the new bluegill regulations we're proposing. So while we've got really good bluegill fishing, we want to keep it. And we also want to try to provide more lakes with quality bluegill. So... We'll be having some uh, public input meetings this fall statewide on a 118 lakes that we're proposing for reduced bag limits on bluegill. So that's kind of next up in terms of trying to turn the dial a little bit on fishing quality. You know, and the thing about uh, that I that I like about this proposal and this uh, this group that you put together is you didn't wait until we were in dire straits. Um, you know, we're still in really good shape if you compare us to the rest of the nation when it comes to bluegills and sunfish, uh, and this will only make it better. Yes, and, and you know, there, when we, when we um, talked about the issue with the statewide angling groups and did some surveys, you know, there wasn't an appetite to do a statewide change. And in, in reality, if you put a r- real restrictive regulation on a statewide, it's not going to help every lake. So, so doing it on a lake-by-lake basis and getting a a larger number of waters that we can manage for bigger bluegill out there to give anglers more options, put the regulation where we think it'll have a high probability of working. That's the route we've we've chosen. Ultimately, over the next couple of years, we'd hope to have 200 to 250 lakes statewide um, with with reduced bag limits on sunfish, so we can we can try to um, improve the quality of our bluegill fishing. We know we can do it. We've got five bags on a number of lakes up around the Bemidji area. 
and we've seen what that regulation can do to, one, protect quality, and two, to make it even better. So we're hoping, and so far we've had great public support. Our online tools are are indicating uh, very strong support for the proposed new lakes, and so we'll finish that up with some more local county meetings and uh, see where we get. Is there a, a plan to then move on and, and, and take a look at some of the other panfish in in our area besides bluegills once the bluegill aspect is taken care of? Um, we don't have any plans in, in place, Kevin. Um, there is, there'll be some dialogue that'll be spawned from this about crappies, I'm sure. Um, but we want to get the, this bluegill project off and running, you know, first, and then we'll, we'll talk more about crappies. Um, there, there are some crappie regulations being proposed in conjunction with the bluegill regulations, and uh, Leech Lake comes to mind. That's a lake where our citizens' input group there has been very um, uh, active and very, um, very vocal in, in seeking um, some greater protection for that quality crappie fishery on, on Leech Lake. So that particular proposal does include crappie, but on a larger scale, that'll be down the road a few years. I want to take a look at a, a couple of lakes uh, that I've heard quite a bit of this uh, summer. You mentioned Red Lake and record number of uh, pressure. I, I think it's ironic. Red Lake is so good that people quit talking about how good it is <laughs> because it's a, just a, it's a story that never ends. Uh, despite the pressure, it, it, sound, it sounds like there's just more than enough fish for everybody anyway. Yes, you know, and, and, you know, we have a, a collaborative effort with the tribe where we, um, do our fall population assessments. We share the data. We decide, um, what condition the lake is in, how much harvest it can sustain. Then each jurisdiction goes and sets their regulations to stay within that harvest. Um, for this summer, we were in what we call the optimal zone. We, we had previously been in the surplus spawner stock zone. Now we're in the optimal. So, our regulations for the open water season were a little more um, restrictive than last year. Last year in the open water season, it was a four bag with, with you can have one over 20 inches. This year, it was a four bag with only one over 17. So we saw um, fewer pounds harvested this summer because they couldn't keep as many of those 18 and 19 inches. But we did see the harvest uh, fall right at the top end of our where we were targeting. So um, it, 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 we threaded the needle. Mm-hmm. We anticipated that the interest was going to be as good as last year or higher. We adjusted the regulation to, to bring the harvest down a little bit, and, and it did. It brought the harvest right where we wanted to see it for this summer, and it puts us in good shape, you know, going into the winter. And, uh, and yet people kept coming, and, and that bite continued good, uh, you know, like I said, through the second or third week of July. And interestingly, when the catch rates go down on red, they're still better than 90% of the other lakes in the state. But not as many people come in late July and August because, you know, it's not red lake type fishing. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other lake I wanted to mention was Winnie. Um, the last few years, uh, been a lot of frustrated Winnie guides because there's plenty of action, but nothing you can keep. This year's still some of that, but what they're seeing is three or four year classes in a row that are all going to be, you know, getting into eater size starting maybe this winter even, and they expect that Winnie's going to be spectacular in the next uh, four to five years. 
Well, Winnie's uh, in the Northeast region, um, so I don't supervise the staff that do the day-to-day work on Winnie. Okay. So I'm not as in tune with that as I am, Red. But from what I've heard, um, and through through your description of that status of that lake, I think that it. I think there are brighter days ahead for Winnie. I know there's a lot of fish in there that are under 14 inches right now. You know, and especially in that uh, you know 12 and 13 inch size group, and that's very promising. And that does bode well for the next couple of years. Um, it, will it be the Winnie of the 1990s? You know, I think it would be premature to, to make that sort of uh, prognostication. But I think in terms of people having the ability to harvest some fish, I think there are brighter days ahead. We always wrap up the season with Henry Drews. We always discuss the state of the fishery. This year is no exception. And up next, one of his favorite topics, bass fishing. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country is presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. It's our annual end of the year state of the fishery with Northwest Regional Fisheries Manager Henry Drews. And Henry, one of the things that I have heard more of this year than I probably have ever is bass fishing. That has really seemed to catch on up here. Certainly the uh, Bemidji State University team and of course now the Bemidji High School team has kind of put that forefront for a number of young anglers. Uh, But it's really... Um, something I hear more about than I ever have before. So I'm assuming there's more bass angling being done. Are we seeing any ripple effects of that anywhere? No, I don't know if we see any more ripple effects. Um, my my uh, one indicator is, you know, I issue the tournament permits for, for northwestern Minnesota, and I have seen a tick upwards in the number of permits that are issued for bass tournaments. Uh, there's also um, an increase in the club activity that that are uh, you know don't need a state permit. There's 25 or less boats, and there's uh, league nights that are targeting bass. So um, I know I I fish bass a lot. I've seen more boats out targeting bass. You know, um, over the last I'd say this is really like a five to eight years. You know, mm-hmm. this steady increase in in bass directed activity. So it's happening. It's real. And um, and I think people are really enjoying it. And and you know whether or not a person subscribes to climate change or not, um, the reality is our lakes are warmer than they were 30 to 50 years ago, and bass are being more successful at reproducing. So we are seeing more bass um, in northern Minnesota lakes than we did 30, 40 years ago. That's a fact. So. Um, I think that the fact that there's a, there's an increase in the populations in some waters, coupled with the uh, increasing publicity uh, from the college and the, and the high school uh, activity, and the tournament, um, you know, the the uh, high profile tournaments that have been held up here, um, and I think it's adding up to more interest. And I also think that uh, it it also probably, and I'm not a biologist, so I'm just spitballing here. If you're not getting as much pressure on the walleyes as you used to because people are getting more diversified, that that can't help but help the walleye populations overall. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that would be a good hypothesis. Um, I don't know if I could, I could uh, find information to suggest that people are walleye fishing less. I think they're just adding bass fishing <laughs> to their toolbox. I think they're doing more. I think they're, they're diversifying. 
and and you know you I don't see as much bass fishing early, say in uh, in May, you know, the latter part of May, as I do say after mid June. And to me, what what that um, tells me is that when the walleye fishing gets tougher, people are adapting and going out and catching stuff that's um, you know a lot of fun and maybe a little easier to catch in the heart of the summer. Um, I so. Whether whether they're dropping out of the walleye fishing or just um, switching gears, you know, I don't know. Okay, a couple of other uh, <clears throat> places that uh, are have got some unique fishing opportunities up in Rainy uh, River and Lake of the Woods. Uh, that sturgeon fishing has become something very very popular over the last decade or so too, and and at times uh, the pressure on the sturgeon seemed to be more than the pressure on the walleye. I've heard. Um, but that uh, that population continues to be strong. Oh, the the surgeon fishing on the Rainy River is just off the charts. And um, the spring was a little little uh, uh, quirky because of the when COVID hit, some of the counties were closing accesses up there, not wanting to get a whole bunch of you know out of towners up there. Um, so the spring was a little goofy, um, you know. So we kind of broke a pattern up there of extremely heavy pressure. Um, I think that'll that's just a blip on the screen, and next spring we'll see people dry, uh, up there, you know, in mass. Um, there's also a growing interest, Kevin, on the Rainy River with the summer fishery. You know, it's, it's closed for a while, and then it reopens for three months, uh, July, August, and September for a summer fishery up there. And and more and more people are finding that it's rather enjoyable to spend a late summer evening on the Rainy River with a sturgeon line out. Um, we're also seeing uh, sturgeon being caught more frequently in some of the other waters in the in the region, where we're working on reintroducing reintroducing that species. Big Detroit Lake, people are starting to fish sturgeon there. Otter Tail Lake, they're starting to fish sturgeon. Catfish anglers on the Red River um, report, you know, dozens of sturgeon in the Red River caught each year. And so our investments that we've made in removing uh, dams and other fish barriers and then uh, stocking sturgeon back into the Red River Basin are starting to yield some fruit on the end of the angler's lines over there as well. As you uh, get ready for the fall and and some of these uh, summer projects are ending, have you heard anything from the field about what they're seeing out there? Well, you know, one of the things that we're trying to make some lemonade out of lemons, (laughs) Um, you know, we weren't able to do um, any stocking this spring. We didn't run our hatcheries. We didn't stock any walleye fry. So one of the things we're going to do starting, and it's some of the air, our areas have already started, we're going to do more fall electrofishing and looking for naturally produced young of the year walleye. Sometimes it's difficult to get a good read on walleye natural reproduction because we stock a lot of waters frequently. So this year we're going out and, and spending a lot more time at night with our electrofishing boat looking for young of the year walleye. Um, and we're, we're seeing already some pretty interesting results. We're seeing um, some natural reproduction in waters that, you know, where we kind of walked away from it, thinking that the only way we would maintain those waters would be through stocking. So we're seeing some uh, some good natural reproduction out there, not everywhere, but in a number of the waters. And um, that's going to help us make management decisions moving forward. So, again, trying to take the the lack of stocking uh, that we did this spring and learn from it. The other thing um, that's out there is, you know, we weren't able to put fry in our rearing ponds. So so we're going to go out into our rearing ponds and see if there's any fish left over from last year 
And if, if they are, we'll harvest them and make use of those as, you know, 8 to 10-inch fish, some selected stocking. So we're going to do some makeup of the stocking, fingerling stocking we're going to miss out on. Um, and we'll also be able to check those rearing ponds, those natural ponds that we put fish in to grow to fingerlings, and see which ones had a good winter kill last year. And uh, we'll remove any of the remaining uh, carryover fish. And so those ponds are going to be really clean for use next year, which means that, you know, in anticipation that we're able to run our egg takes, stock our rearing ponds, we'll have a good production year next year because those ponds, um, by and large, have been left fallow. Besides AIS, anything out there that uh, you guys are worried about here in the Northwest? No, not really. Um, you know, we're just excited to see the real pulse and interest in angling uh, and, and all forms of outdoor recreation that, you know, that had been on the decline for some time. So we're just, we're just hopeful that this is a real, uh, a real wake-up call that the great outdoors that we have up here um, are there to, to take advantage of and to enjoy. And um, so I, I think in the midst of these uh, difficult times, um, I, think that, I think the outdoors is a real positive thing. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We are wrapping up our 30th year. Henry Drews is always my guest to wrap things up with his annual State of the Fishery. He's the Northwest Regional Fisheries Manager. And Henry... Beyond Paul Bunyan Country and just as your knowledge as being part of the DNR, uh, any trends, good or bad, on a more statewide level that we're seeing? Um, you know, the, the one thing that, uh, you know, again, it might be related to climate is, is you know, these precipitation patterns uh, seem to really have been changing over the years. And, and you know, when you, when you get, you go, go a month without anything, any rain, and then you get 10 or 12 inches over a couple of weeks, you know, it, it's it's creating some issues with, um, you know, the hydrology of our streams and rivers and the lakes. And we're learning that we probably need to, we need to adjust some of our infrastructure when we build ramps or when we, we put in culverts for crossings. You know, we need to take, take this um, changing hydrologic cycle under consideration. So I think that's something we're going to have to pay attention to. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming seasons. We've got the fall fishing season, well, basically probably kicking in right about now with the cooler temperatures. Um, obviously a time when the typical angling pressure goes down, but the typical success rate goes way, way up. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those conflicted individuals, Kevin, <laughs> uh, between hunting and fishing. And, and I, I learned, at least while I'm working, um, I can't do both and do both well. So I'm in that camp that kind of gets my boat ready for winter a little earlier than some, and I miss out on the late September and October fishing. I regret that. I will return that to my uh, my recreation uh, venue in the next few years. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of folks try to do both, and, they, and they're successful, but, you know, a lot of the fall activities like duck hunting or bow hunting you know, you need to you need to spend your time scouting and spend your time doing that. It's hard to fish, so it puts a person in the position where you got to pick. And those that stick with fishing have some of the best fishing of the year, and they have the lakes and the rivers pretty much to themselves. Yeah, they do. We do some surveys, uh, not this year, but we do creel surveys on the Rainy River in the fall, September and October, 
and the catch rates up there in the in the fall are pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, there are a growing number of folks that, that participate in what uh, is called cast and blast, where they go away for a weekend or uh, their cabin, or they, they, they go up to a resort somewhere like on the Rainy River, and they'll, they'll combine grouse hunting with with walleye fishing in the afternoon. And um, and the, they got it dialed in. They can pull that off. Boy, no kidding. You know, for some of us, too, I'm, I'm a wild rice harvester. My wife got me into that. And so as kind of my summer fishing winds down, we get in a rice boat and we go harvest rice for a couple of weeks. And to me, that that's the transition into the gathering season where, you know, you know the bird dogs start getting a little yancy in the morning, a little higher energy. And, and that's the transition from uh, from ricing into fall hunting season. And that's just a special time of the year that goes too fast. Yeah. Yeah, we were, I was talking to somebody about autumn, and they said, it's my favorite season. And I said, well, if you consider, you know, two days a season, because some years it feels like that's as, that's all we get a fall is a couple of days. I'm hoping for a long fall and a much shorter winter this year myself. Well, I think we're due a, a nicer fall. Last year was kind of a bust. You know, we got that that snowstorm in, in mid-October, and, and that kind of kind of turned things inside and out. You know, we the leaves were still on the trees. They hadn't turned color, and we had six inches of snow on the ground, and it, it, it didn't get better after that. <laughs> no, no, it did not. One last, thing Last year, Kevin and I was very happy I, I had my boat put away. I didn't, wouldn't have wanted to <laughs> been out on Halloween trying to change the lower unit oil. Uh, yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been bad. Well, you know what? The other thing is we did not get much of an ice fishing season last year either due to the weird weather. Um, but that tend, has become a very, very popular thing. And with the uh, big fancy houses, uh, the, the pressure in general has gone way up uh, in hard water season. And I expect if we, if we get good ice, uh, that's going to be the case again this year. I, I agree. You know, Lake of the Woods uh, last year, because, you know, Red Lake had bad ice, you know, and after the first of the year, a lot of late leach did, you know, um, Lake of the Woods escaped those heavy snows. And so, we saw probably by a, by 25% the highest winter fishing pressure we've, we've ever documented on Lake of the Woods. Um, the ice season last year started out great. Um, you know, we had good early ice. I mean, by the first week of December, a lot of lakes you could drive on already. You know, but then it went to heck right after Christmas, you know, mm. with that, that couple of feet of snow that fell. So, you know, it's hard to predict what we're going to have there. But um, if there's good ice, there'll be a lot of people out. That's guaranteed. Has that increase in hard water pressure been a concern at all? Uh, yeah, it has, particularly on some of our larger lakes. And we have made some adjustments and regulations. Um, based on that, we've had to tighten it down a little bit on Red Lake. Uh, we recently reduced the sauger bag on Lake of the Woods. Um, most of our premier walleye lakes already have four bag on them, on walleye, so... Um, yes, you know, if, if we have not reached the, the apex of that increase, you know, some additional changes might have to be considered down the road. Um, but we do have to take that into account, um, because it, we haven't seen a decline. Okay. Um, any, you know, one of the things that, uh, we talked about, uh, was the increase in fishing pressure this year with uh, most everything else canceled. 
that continues into the fall. A lot of sport, school activities not going on. I expect that's going to mean uh, maybe some more hunting and people being introduced to hunting. But I, I, I think it can also mean even more hard water pressure this winter. I think that could be right. I, I think that you, your um, prognostication there might be right on target. Um, there's another factor, too, is that the Canadian border remains closed mm-hmm. for recreational use. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of hunters, myself included, that, that have gone or, or, or go annually to Canada to hunt waterfowl um, or grouse or bow hunt um, or fish, fall fish um, or winter fish. And, and, you know, right now that effort is all going to stay stateside. And so there, there are some factors conspiring to um, the likelihood of more people afield this fall and more people on the ice. You know, it's a good thing. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up, Henry? No, it's a, it's been a strange summer. Um, I know I I probably spent more time on the water than normal, so um, it pre- certainly provided some additional opportunities for me and many others. And so I, I guess uh, I guess it's been a, been a good summer. Okay. Uh, looking forward to a nice fall, and I'm looking forward already to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country 2021. <laughs> How many more times am I going to get to talk to you, Henry? Is this off the record? Uh, well, I am recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I'll. I guess you answered what you want to answer. <laughs> oh, at least one. Okay, all right. That's good news. That's very good news. Henry Drews is the regional fisheries manager out of the Northwest office here in Bemidji. We love having him on the show. Great insight on the year in fishing. And, Henry, uh, we will talk to you next spring. Sounds good, Kevin. Have a great fall. Well, as always, thank you for being part of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, tuning in every day, whether it's on KBUN, KB101, or on the podcast. I'm glad to have you along for the ride. I want to thank the many, many great guests we had, the people who are always willing to be on the show and share their information with you. Uh, it is truly appreciated. I want to thank all our sponsors. We've got some great sponsors. We appreciate it. In particular, I have to tip my hat to Northland Fishing Tackle, our title sponsor, who's been with us since day one. And in fact, it was them that got this show going. So thank you, Northland Fishing Tackle. Uh, they are also responsible for uh, twisting an arm or two to get people on the show. But, you know, once they experience Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, they, of course, want to come back. i tell you what, we're not done talking outdoors. We're done with the daily stuff. But, again, Thursday, 1 o'clock on KBUN-FM 104.5, starting this upcoming Thursday, the 17th. And then on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., it'll be Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, a weekly show. We'll talk fishing. We'll talk hunting. We'll talk trails. We'll talk forestry. We'll talk everything outdoors on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors starting Thursday the 17th. And, of course, it's available on the podcast as well. Go to Podcast One, the PodMN app, or wherever you get your podcast. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Again, thank you, everyone, for being part of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country for yet another year. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country.